everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. And we're coming to you live from a wonderful... It's nice here in Michigan. How is it in Florida right now? Um, amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm super excited. I'm going to go for a run when I get out of here, <laughs> when we're done. <laughs> and um, yeah, the weather has been incredible because this time of the year here is just lovely. There's no humidity. Um, it's it's not like rainy season yet. It's just, we're very lucky. And I'm glad to hear that it's nice where you are too. I love it. How, how have you been this week? Are things going well? Yeah. Yeah. The week's been pretty good. Uh, work is, is cruising. I am learning so many new skills that I will continue to add to my resume um, in my hunt for a full-time job. Again, um, we're still working on that. Uh, I keep getting these lovely notes of we, we love you. We're impressed with your background, uh, but we're moving forward with another candidate. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to look at it and say, look at that compliment. That's great. Let it fuel my continued search. I'm one of those people that when I get a rejection, I'm always like, okay, what did I do wrong? So I email them like, hey, what can I do better next time? And most of them are like, no, you were great. It's just someone else had more experience. I'm like, okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't take it personally, um, but yeah, it does feel like I'm dating again. I think I might've said that in our last episode too. It's still just this, you know, annoying situation I'm in, but um, I know that there's a reason I'm here and that wherever I'm going to go is going to be the right place. So I just have to have patience, which I think really ties into, you know, even into the podcast of like, grief sometimes you feel like you're stuck in it and like oh god when am i going to start to feel better and it's just about time and patience um so anyway um anything else going on over there core nothing too crazy just living life you know trying to figure out when i'm going to get the vaccine and go from there oh yes yes Fingers crossed that you are able to get it soon. They're 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 moving through them fast here in Michigan. Like we're we're chugging hard. So, oh, I'm glad to hear that. Wonderful. Um, so we have a really exciting guest today. Um, I came across her on LinkedIn, and I was taken by her title of Chief Empowerment Officer. Um, being a female in corporate America, um. Sometimes it is really hard to be seen, be heard. Um, and I saw that title and I was like, yes, girl, like, yes, <laughs> you know, girl power. Um, and then I, you know, started to read her posts. I mean, I guess, you know, we probably have some shared connections. We, we live, we both live locally together. And um, I noticed that she had just written a children's book um, inspired by the uh, passing of her father. And so I said, oh man, this is a great story. Let's let's have her on. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to intru introduce you guys to Raina Rose Exelbeard. We got two beards today. Yes, <laughs> We yes. got Corey and we've got Exelbeard. <laughs> um, so I'd like to introduce you guys to Raina and uh, hear her story. Thank you for being here, Raina. Oh my God, you guys are so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you, you for liking, thank you for liking the title Chief Empowerment Officer because when I first left the nonprofit world and I started like branding myself, 
there were a few people who told me that 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 was stupid and not to do it. Um, and you know, I'm not gonna lie. There are some times in my life where like I I listen to the feedback from from people. I'm glad that that wasn't one of the situations um, where I listen because exactly like you said, when, when you have something non-traditional, um, it just makes you stand out. So, you know, another big thing for me is I'm always wearing really nice dresses, whether it's to work or, you know, I'm going out on a date, whatever, but then sneakers. Yes. I love that. I love it so much. Like I just, your, your personality and, and your vibe just like shines through. I mean, you know, for everybody listening, like we've all, I've only been following Raina on LinkedIn for like a couple of weeks and I've become obsessed and probably very annoying. Cause like she posts things and I'm like, that's amazing. This is amazing. But I think, you know, we're, we're very similar. Um, you know, Raina does, um, mentoring and that's like a big part of my life as well. And so it just, I just felt connected and I'm hoping that, you know, you guys are inspired by her as well. So, yeah, so Raina, so this, let's, let's start kind of with, with the grief story, uh, so to speak, obviously, you know, uh, lost your dad, but let's, let's talk about that and kind of let's, let's start at that point and then let's bring us to where we are now. Totally. Um, when I was thinking about what I wanted to share on the show, I think something that I don't really get to talk a lot about is the grief of my dad, the real grieving of my dad didn't actually start until like two years after he had passed. Um, you know, when my father first passed away, I was working in a job so hard that I was, I was distracted from grief. And it was like, whenever I spoke about my dad, it was like, I'm bringing him up in a speech or I'm bringing him up, you know, to an Uber driver. Like it was kind of like always on my terms. And, and it's funny because, you know, when my dad first passed away, I looked at my mom and I'm like, my mom needs to stop working so hard. Like she doesn't need to work, you know, only for me myself to look back and realize like we both were using work as like an opportunity, you know, to kind of like distract ourselves. Um, but the crazy thing is, is, you know, so, so two things. One, the first time I actually like missed my dad, like picked up my phone to call him was like six months after he passed away. I was getting my car serviced and they try to sell you all this shit and you don't have to know <laughs> what you need. And that was the first time, like I went to pick up the phone to call my dad. And, you know, you always think it's going to be something really big. Like he's not going to walk me down the aisle or he's not going to see this. He's not going to see that. You never think it's going to be over your freaking car, you know, that you're going <laughs> to do. And the other thing that I want to share that was like unique about when I say I really grieved my dad was when I left my job to start my, my business, it took a long time for me to become successful. I, I left a lifestyle where I was on a plane three times a week and I was mentoring, you know, all of these kids to now sitting on my couch with my cat with nowhere to go, right? So not only was, was I, did I, did I not even know that I was beginning like this period of, of grieving my dad, but I also had to really grief 
this lo losing of a, of a lifestyle, which Absolutely. I don't know if losing is the right word because it was my choice to go and start this new thing, right? But all of a sudden, when your entire life is completely changed because you thought like, oh, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to be successful and everything's going to work out. Um, I finally understood what the, what the expression of sit through the feelings, sit through the emotion. Um, and it was just a, a really, really crazy process of like layer by layer having to realize like, you know, number one, I used to define myself as a speaker and as a mentor. And when those things were gone, I was like, first of all, I had a little imposter syndrome. I'm like, who are you that you think you could leave this place where you were so successful, you know, and start this whole new thing. Um, but then I was just like, like, who are you? Because when you wrap your identity so much in another person or into a job title and that person leaves you or that, you know, or that person passes or, you you move on to another job um it took a couple months but i had to like realize like who i authentically am is i'm inspirational i'm kind i'm a connector i'm funny and whether i'm a speaker a mentor selling beer in the liquor store babysitting <laughs> my you know my friend who's special needs that's how i show up in all those places like that's what defines me and you know the other thing i'll share about my cat is I'm so appreciative that I had an animal to go through all of this, especially when I first found out my dad died, because when you have an animal, you're looking at your animal like, oh, you're so cute. I want to play with you. I want to feed you. It, it distracts your mind from going, you know, to, to rough uh, places. Um, so for, for people who, who are grieving, um, or you have friends who are grieving, don't you dare underestimate the value that your pet can bring to somebody else who's going through a hard time. I love that. It's, it's really amazing too, because uh, what you're saying, um, when, when you exist and you, you build your life based on these certain pillars, you know, you can wrap yourself in your identity, even, you know, like as your father's daughter. And yeah. when, when, I mean, and granted that, that is part of who you are, but it's not all you are. And so sometimes um, just like, you know, stripping bark off a tree, you know, you got to peel back those layers. The tree is not going to fall down if you start peeling that bark off. Um, but yeah, there, I remember uh, losing my mom and my mom was such a, a focal point in my life that I, like you, I didn't grieve for a long time. I was just so busy. I didn't grieve about it till about a year later. But even then after that, there was a period where I had to say, okay, who, like what parts of this identity I had with my mom in my life, what were those things that I actually still value now? What were things were those that she instilled in me or these expectations that, she, they, that were put on me by her versus who am I? Like, what do I actually believe? What do I feel about life, about everything? So very much so, yeah. All, all of that resonates me. Every, every time I say hi to someone, you know, I think of my dad every time somebody tells me they love my personality. You know, it's, I always tell people, like I'll tell my parents, you know, that you, know, that you said that, like, thank you. But um, yeah, everything you just said, my, my commitment to Holocaust education my entire life um, you know, having the ability to, to, to speak out and, 
even in this moment when you shared that, like just recognizing that I'm in a position where I work with young people and because I went through something really hard, I've been able to inspire so many young people to take relationships with their family members a lot more seriously um, for, for, for a lot of reasons. But um, certainly when we look beyond the bark, that's not, that's not ever like something I've, I've acknowledged for myself. Um, but I know if my dad was around, he'd be really proud to know that that was, that that was something that, uh, I've added to the, the repertoire of, uh, lessons for young people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I feel like young people's, um, emotions are overlooked a lot, um, because, oh, they're just teenagers or, you know, young adults and that's just hormones. And it's like, no, no, they are full people, you know, and every little thing that happens to them makes an impact, um, totally. you know, and um, it's, it's funny that you bring this up because I was at, I, I, I mentor um, a high school student through this program called Path to College. And I was at an event last week with, with, a group of, of people and we were talking about um some of the men like i've been doing it for a few years now and some of the new mentors are having a hard time connecting with their mentees and my biggest suggestion was hey just you know share personal experiences you know nothing inappropriate but like you know share you know if you struggled in a subject in high school or share if you didn't have a good child because it, we're I, we mentor, um, you know, uh, like poverty stricken students, you know, very high achieving, but low income, um, you know, and coming from very struggling homes. So they, you know, and then, and, and it's very diverse culturally. So, you know, somebody like me, they look at me and they think, oh, like, what is this, you know, what does she know from struggles? And I'm like, actually I do. And so I, I've, you know, I've shared that because it makes it, it makes us more relatable to them. And because they really are struggling and sometimes they put up a facade because, you know, they're just told, well, like buck up or whatever it is. And so I'm glad that anyway, that we, that we went on, on this tangent because. Yeah. No, 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 no. But, but to add to what you're saying, like, and that's a big part of, you know, why I mentor and, and why I have this group mentorship of, of young women. It's called Teen Tribe. Check that out, teen-tribe.com, yes. because not all mothers know how to speak to their daughter, you know? And it's, kids need to have an opportunity to, like, express themselves, be heard, um, and most importantly, not not be judged. And there's just some things like exactly like you said, Jamie, which I think that is so cool that you do that. There's just some things that a parent and a teacher can't say and that they can't see because they're too, you know, they're, they're too involved. Right. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's really easy for parents to, to, and I, I've said this before, I think in the podcast, but it's, we are carrying our own baggage. We're carrying the experiences that have shaped us in our lives, made us optimistic or cynical. We're carrying what our parents did to us as children. You know, my mom, I love her. She's gone, but she was crazy. Uh, so I, I, I was thinking about uh, my son recently. So I have a three-year-old son 
And my son, we're dealing a lot right now with making sure he's telling the truth. So it's a lot of conversations of um, like, hey, you know, what happened? You know, I don't know. Are you telling the truth? Yes. Well, listen, buddy, you won't get in trouble if you tell the truth. If we find out you're lying, that's when you get in trouble. He'll say, okay, I did this. Okay, thank you for telling the truth. But I remember as a child, you know, like being a kid, you know, who would, you know, my mom would be like, I'll get, I'll get more mad at you if you don't tell me. And she would like threaten me. And so trying to take my son and give him that, that safe, that space to, to know it's okay if he makes a mistake. And he's three years old. He's not a teenager, but giving him the room to feel what he needs to feel, to let him discover the world as he needs to not hurt anybody in the process, but, right. you know, give him enough room to breathe, but not enough room that yeah. he's, he's a, he's a reckless kid, you know? So it's, it's a very, it's a very fun, fine line. Yeah. And just knowing that, you know, we can be having these conversations with our parents at all ages. Like I was just home for a week and, um, you know, my mom and I kind of like had a conversation because like, I felt like she kept like correcting me and like, I love my mom. She's like my best friend and I won't go into the specifics, but you know, she kind of, when we had this conversation, she was like, you know, I'm always coming from a place of wanting you to be better. Like I talked to you the way that, you know, I guess my mom spoke to me and what's, what's, what's not cool is I lost my favorite jacket at the Atlanta airport because I was too busy oh. saying hi to people. And uh, I saw the shift in my mother's language because later on when I texted her and I said, hey, I lost my jacket, my mom would be the first one to say, I told you to put it in your back. But instead, <laughs> because we had that conversation earlier that day, she texted me back. She said, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. And I almost dropped the phone I was like, wait a second, did my mom like, you know, so for the listeners, I want to inspire you. Like, you know, don't hold on to shit from when you're younger, bring it up now and, and have a conversation about it because, you know, for the most part, our, our parents don't want to come from a bad place and they don't want to hurt us and they're not mind readers. And unless we tell them, you know, what's, what's, you know, what's happening, then you can't, you can't like try to make like any adjustments or, or solutions. Well, there's another thing to that too, is because um, now speaking, and I'm sure all of us in the room can agree because we've all lost a parent, you know, that for me, one of the big things is I could never confront my mom about the things that I wanted her to correct, like about how she parented me and things I never addressed because I was too afraid. And now I don't, I don't like your mom in your relationship. We're talking about this. I don't know what it was like with your dad. You know, you might've been a daddy's girl. I don't know. But, um, you know, I think most of the time with my mom, it's like, I wish I could have told her, you know, like, this is what you probably should have changed about the way you parented me, because this is, uh, you know, how things happen. The effect. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the effect. effect. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's great that you feel safe to do that. And I think everybody should just try it. Just try it. If it doesn't work, fine. But um you know, you don't know until you have those conversations and then look at the, look at the outcome. Like the outcome is so beautiful, you know? Exactly. Like, you know, I even looked at my mom and, and I was very calm and I, and I said, like, do you think I'm overreacting? Like, can you understand like why I might be sensitive or why I have this point? And even though she didn't agree with me, like she apologized because she saw that like I, I was upset and sometimes that's that's all we need is just for somebody else to acknowledge like 
I don't need to give you the perfect speech. I don't need to say to you the certain thing, but just acknowledging like you're in pain, like that made me feel better. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah so um, going back to, you know, the loss of your father, um, what, when did that, when did that happen? What year was that? Yeah. So COVID is like totally like messed up, like everything. <laughs> Um, but I want, I want to say it was, um, May of 2018. Okay. Gotcha. So, and so you had mentioned that, you know, it took about two years for you to start grieving. Um, I, um, because for that, for 2018, 2019, I was still like working at, um, this nonprofit job as a speaker and as a mentor in six different States and was just like, so, so busy. Um, but then when I started my own business two years ago, um, and I was like, my life was still, which like COVID gave me a whole nother period of stillness. But like, if I had had to go through that process of stillness through COVID, um, it, I'm a very optimistic person, but like that would have been really 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 hard because also like going through COVID you know was like a whole other kind of grief (laughs) yes Um, yeah and you know something that like I've I've thought about that I've never actually like said out loud and it's and it's kind of fucked up I when other people I know lose somebody I'm not the first one to text them and call them and I feel guilty about it and, and it's not PTSD, it's just like, I don't know if you guys can relate to this. And it's not like I go months. It's just like when they first die, I'm not, I'm not the first one to send it. Like usually it's like a week or two later. Um, and I think cause like in a weird way, it's almost like I process death in my life. So when people I love have lost someone, it's almost like, it takes a lot out of me emotionally and mentally to accept that and process that because of everything that I've gone through in my journey. Yeah. Does that, absolutely. Does that resonate with you guys at all? Is that weird? To- to- no, totally. Um, I lost my ex-boyfriend to suicide and recently we had another friend commit suicide and I was able to kind of be there for my friends um, that, you know, it was basically like my, one of my really good friends, her um, boyfriend was his best friend. So, you know, I was able to be there for them, but you know, the, the girlfriend of the guy, I, I, I know her as like a, you know, they're a friend of a friend. So we know each other, we have each other Snapchats, but like, we're not close friends, but of course, you know, because I had gone through it, my friend called me immediately. And, um, I, you know, told her I'll reach out, I'll reach out to her. Um, I didn't for weeks because I was so triggered a, by the way, my friend called me frantically telling me what happened and she didn't, she, she was, you know, in a, a a headspace of God, God knows. I mean, just the, the most awful, the most awful thing, you know what I mean? So she, she came to me for comfort, but like just the way she delivered it to me, I was like having, you know, nightmares about her calling me because she was in such distress and seeing the, your friends in distress is, is awful. But then also, 
it started bringing up all the memories of when I heard about my ex and all of these things. And I was a disaster for like a week after. And like, you know, she, she was going through whatever and she didn't think about that impact. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all that to say, yes, it totally resonates and it is very, very hard and there's nothing right. wrong with it. You know, we, ha we have to do what we have to do for ourselves first, because otherwise yeah. we can't be there for the people that, yeah. that need us. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you with with what you just said like we have sure. to do like for ourselves something that happened with Ariana Grande in the media with Mac Miller uh, overdose oh. mm -hmm. everybody blamed her as like the girlfriend when your boyfriend committed suicide did you feel like some people looked at you as like how did you not know like did you feel like there was like an added pressure on you as like like yo like everybody takes care of themselves sort of thing like how could you like expect <laughs> me to know something you yeah know, like that? well so it was kind of a weird situation but um i was actually not with him at the time we had broken up six years before but he was my best friend he was my absolute best friend he had another, he had another, a, a girlfriend at the time. And I do think that, I mean, even I, I never verbalized it, but I hold on to that resentment towards her. Um, I mean, it was, it's a crazy story, but um, I do hold on to some resentment towards her of like, you know, what the hell. Um, but at the same time, I also know that it is so not her fault. And that's why I kind of, you know, I never said anything and, you know, I just kind of like let it, let it float through my, my feelings of just, I think it was just general anger towards the, the situation in general. And it, and you do, you look, you look kind of look for a blame. Yeah. Corey, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> well, I've, I actually, uh, while I've never had dealt with a suicide directly, um, death is like a big part of my life in a really cynical way of saying. So um, my mom, my grandfather, my great uncle, my aunt and my uncle all died of the same disease. They had Lou Gehrig's disease. So oh this God. is like, this wiped out, you know, like, like a, a significant part of my family. So my mom, lose my mom was a very significant part of my life. I was going into high school, graduating high school that year and going into college. Oh, you were so young. Yep. So I was 17 when it happened. And then um, just being used to see that in my family kind of it recurring, like every couple of years, like, oh, the next person has ALS, not to sound uh, cynical about it, but um, after a while it became more and more expected. You know, I get texts from my sister saying like, you know, uh, my dad's family saying, oh, this person's sick, you know, they might not make it. And I, I feel sad that this is happening, but I'm like, okay, this is just another funeral to go to. Um, so yeah. me, I'm just, I'm kind of numb to the idea of death. I don't get triggered necessarily. I just, I, I expect yeah. it now. And I hate to say that, like, I expect things bad like that to happen, but yeah. that's kind of where my mind is. You yeah. Know? I, um, Unfortunately, during COVID, I think I had up to like 12 people who I know who committed suicide oh, or oh accidental, you know, drug overdose. And, mm. you know, there was actually a three week period where that's an enormous like, amount of people. Two, yeah. And like, so sorry, <laughs> great, great families, boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, my friend Taylor had over a million followers on Instagram, like was known as the sneaker king. And, um, you know, that actually it was crazy it was during COVID, Taylor was like Facebook messaging everybody being like, hey, what's up? Like being friendly, you know, 
only for us to realize like later on, you know, that was also with another girl I knew named Abby Whalen, who she had gone through, you know, some challenges certainly growing up, but the things that she was writing on Facebook and the things that she was like commenting on people's posts, like it was, she was like bringing so much light to the feed, you know, she had Mm -hmm. even like, she had had, you know, her, her battles with drugs also and had to like learn how to, you know, walk again. And she had written on Facebook. She was so excited, you know, that she was getting her driver's license and, you know, you can't, you can't always like tell these things, but something really powerful though that happened is, you know, it's so important to, to share struggles and, and to talk about, you know, the challenges um, because when Taylor and Mason, two boys who I had grown up with who were my age had passed away, who both unfortunately committed suicide within the same three week period. Um, I wrote this like Facebook status just about how like, you know, how great these pe- these men were and how special they were and how like, we need to stop doing copy paste Facebook statuses and like actually write that we miss these people on their birthday and, Mm -hmm. and how much, you know, we think that they would have loved what we saw, you know, on that particular day. And what was crazy is this woman sent me a friend request on Instagram and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know like who this person is. So I send her a message and she's like, um, I'm going through a really nasty divorce. I'm in a really hard time in my life. And I was thinking about taking my life today and your post came up in my feed and it's no coincidence. And we kept talking that day. And like now her and I like were really good friends, but that night she was just like, and I, and I wrote an article about the whole experience. I'll send it to you guys, but. Please, yeah, we'd love to share that. uh, Yeah, and I, I just said to her, you know, like, you know, when this is over, like, let's get live music, like, let's hang out and you know, later in the day, she messaged me and just said, like, you know, thank you so much for reminding me that, you know, I have so much to live for. And that was also kind of like, I'm, I'm really grateful that that moment happened. Because, again, I am in a position where I'm blessed with the opportunity to share my voice and to share my message and for it to be heard by a lot of people. And, um, when she reached out to me, I, I really made this big commitment that mental health would also be, um, you know, a really, really big value that, that I talk about on stage and, and with my kids. High five, high five to that. I mean, it's like, it's so hard to hear that you've been through all this loss and, but you know, there, there's so much brightness in it. And, and, and that, that's the biggest reason why, you know, we wanted you on the show um, so can you, Corey, I think you might have something to say, but then I, I would love to hear Raina, um, you know, I want you to tell everybody how you took the loss of your father and made it into this just amazing, amazing thing. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, um, I had a similar situation. Uh, so this is over 15 years ago and I won't name the person's name because They'll probably hurt me if I do. Um, but uh, back in the days of MSN Messenger, if you know those days, if, you, if you're millennial. Yeah, hotmail. So uh, I, one day I was browsing like something and I, I saw somebody's email address. They put it like, let's be friends. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be your friend. I added them to my MSN Messenger list. This girl I met. Uh, okay, like we started talking. Um Fast forward to a few years later, you know, we're still talking. Now she's one of my oldest friends. Never met her in person. She's a pen pal. 
Um, but uh, oh. one point she was like, Corey, I need you to know something. I said, what? She says, uh, the day you messaged me, I was getting ready to kill myself. I was getting ready to kind of make preparations to end my life. And um, she said, met you and thought, let's put it off for a few days. And um, now it's like, so like we still talk almost, I think every week now, we still have conversations. She lives states away. I could literally probably go drive to go see her at some point when she wants me to, but um, you never know the kind of impact you're going to make with, with someone like that. Just saying like, hey, I'm here and so that just resonated with me that's all so yeah good job guys good job i i completely agree with that i just i i write in a lot of the books that i sign like you by just saying hello you have no idea how many like new friends and experiences that await you um and it, and it's just so crazy we never know how somebody else is feeling like we always think like looking at somebody that we know how they feel um which was crazy too because like this woman who reached out to me you know on instagram i looked at her facebook she has all these friends all these people are liking her thing so it's not that she like doesn't have people to talk to but it was just kind of like one of those exactly like you Corey, just this like godly higher energy whatever you believe a, a greater power, you know, brought that email to your messenger, just like a greater power put her post, put my post in her feed. Uh, I think of the Robin Williams quote, I'm going to misquote it, but he was talking about, you know, like the people who try the hardest, you know, like to, to make a, a positive effect in the world is because they know what it's like to be so worthless or feel so worthless. Um, I forget the exact quote, but you know, and Robin Williams is a great example of that because Robin Williams, you know, I mean, for all the light he brought in this world, you know, he had so many uh, inner, inner things he had to deal with, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, and it's hard too, because there are some people uh, who you see in the world who are like, yes, I'm hurting. I need help. And those people make it really obvious, but some people are just so happy and so cheery and their, their energy is focused on taking whatever they feel that's negative and blocking yeah. it out with, with how they can help someone else, so. Yeah, I never thought about it. I mean, I've always wanted to help people. I've always had a pat, a commitment to service, but the truth is, is when I was younger, I, I was bullied. I, I did feel unworthy for a very long time. I mean, even as an adult woman, when it comes to my relationships with men, I still feel, you know, periods of, of unworthy. Um, but what you just said, when I apply that to my life, I think that's why it is so important for me to say hi to everybody. Even today, my Uber driver who spoke no English, you know, I still, you know, did my thing and, and I gave him a big hug and told him his English was great before I got out of the car. Oh, that's sweet. Like so shocked, like just like so shocked. Like all he could say was like, like, like you looked at me and was like, you're so beautiful, you know? And, oh. and it's, um, you made a world of difference to that guy. I think, I think exactly what you just said, Corey, I never thought about it, but I think as a child, because I felt so shitty internally, I think as an adult, naturally and intrinsic, like, just like, not by intention, I just naturally do that because I felt like that for such a long time. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and with the book, you know, we're sitting here talking about, so it's called The Girl Who Said Hello to Everybody. And when you shared that story from the MSN Messenger, it kind of just like made me think that like, when you say hi to somebody, 
it just makes them feel that you matter. You know, like the Uber driver today, we didn't have to like have a long conversation. How many people get in his car oh and are just like, oh, you don't speak English? Okay, toodaloo, motherfucker. Like, right. you know what I mean? It's so true. It's so true. Like we just, we, we have gotten so used to just whatever, like, oh, you're just driving me around. Oh, you're just checking me out at the grocery store. Like my favorite activity is to talk to the people at the grocery store. Yes. Like yeah. I love all my people, you know? Yeah. I feel like Corey, I could see you doing that too. And we know you do it, Raina. Like it's the best. It's the best. Human connection is the best feeling on the planet. You know, yeah. I don't order thing. shit. I don't order shit online. <laughs> I'm going to the store, you know, my favorite jacket <laughs> is because some sales lady bullied me in buying it. It was really expensive. <laughs> and I was like, F you lady. But now every time I wear it, I'm like, thank you so much for peer pressuring right. me into buying this mini <laughs> leather motor jacket. Oh that my God, that's me so funny. Hot, badass everywhere yes. that I go. Oh, I love you don't that. Get that from the internet. <laughs> My son is the friendliest person. If you are jogging in the park next to us, you have your headphones on, he'll stop and try to say hi, like try to talk <laughs> to you. Well, like you might not notice him, but he will stop and give every person a hello and every person smiles. I'm like, dude, you got a special skill. Never lose that. Don't ever he does. Don't ever not share your he energy does. with people. I said yeah. people people love that. People respond to that, buddy. They're they're drawn to you. Don't lose that ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and for the listeners, you can be the first person to say hello, like yes. try it out. If it doesn't work for you, then don't do it. But I think connection is the most beautiful gift that you can give anyone underneath it all. People want to see, like people want to feel that they matter. They want to be acknowledged and, and, you know, and they want to have those connections. And a big part of that is like for me, and I, and I write about this in my, in my kid's book, and I didn't even realize it when I was writing the poem, but you know, when I told you guys I was griefing this new lifestyle and I didn't have a lot of meetings and things going on, part of my everyday life was waking up, going to the, you know, walking past my maintenance man who, here, let me please please share please share because i want to i also want to like i know i want to know like the inspiration like behind this concept and how it ties you know to your to your father and all of that as well yeah so like you know before covid like this this was like what my day looked like when i was an entrepreneur i would wake up every morning this my this my neighborhood worker uh named roro he's the freaking man and every morning he, you know, he always says, hi, my friend, which by the way, everywhere else in my life, I call people, hi, friend. The only reason I do that is because of Roro. And two oh. years ago, when I was in the wine room on Atlantic Avenue, there was a waiter who, his name was Marcus. And I, I said, thank you, my friend. Thanks, my friend, all night. He DM'd me on Instagram the next day and said, thank you so much for calling me friend. I have no friends. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to know that like that really, you know, that really resonated with me. And then he sent me all these other, like, you know, really nice messages. Um, but these people that we see in our everyday life, so many people take these, you know, these special people for granted. So after I'd leave my neighborhood, I would go to the gym. Right. And I had this, yeah, I didn't even realize that I had a routine until COVID like destroyed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love, this is like a thing I love doing in Delray. I love jumping out of my car and dancing. 
I do that um, when the bridges go up for the boats to go by. I do it, you know, at this really, really long line at this intersection. This is like one of my favorite places in Delray. It's called Captain Clay's Fish Market. They catch the fish that day. And when you order it, they like cut it fresh out of the fish. And the reason why it was so important for me to include all these like really, 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 really special people in my book is because when I look back on my journey, I felt like shit most of those days. But when I walked into the spin studio, they were like, Raina, your energy is so amazing. We love it when you're around free, you know, free membership always. And like in the fifth store, it was always like, Raina, you're so funny. Like you should go do stand-up comedy. And I did do stand-up comedy because the people at the fish store were like, go they try it. In you. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, now I'm not depressed anymore. And now I'm financially independent. But when I was going through the shit, it was people like Roro. It was, it was, you know, my friend's dog. It was, it was the the people who worked at the fish market. It was the people who work at vendors who check me out yes, and tell me. Yes, I love them in there. <laughs> that, you know, that we love you and that, you know, you're our favorite. Like, they don't realize how much better, like, they made my life. That, how much better that they made the grieving process. I know when you're sad, it's really easy to just, like, want to, like, turn the lights off and, like, hide in the corner but like I would not be successful I would not be where I am right now if all the people who are in this book didn't play a role in my life and you know <laughs> you're gonna be emotional <laughs> in this book we may not be that close anymore we might not even talk anymore but I will forever be grateful for what they did what they gave what they said you know, the ladies who own my spin studio, um, they, they lost their dad. And when I had my first Father's Day, a week before Father's Day, they're like, hey, you're coming with us. You're coming to the club. We're doing this. We're doing that. And I didn't even think about it. I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I have plans, you know? But I look back at it. They cared so much about me. And they knew from their own experiences, let's let Raina in. So for those of you who are listening, if, if you've lost somebody, like take note from Susan and Linda. And the other thing that I want to share too is like, if people aren't in your life anymore, shit changes. Like don't hold resentments. Like if you are in a better place, if you are better because of them, like, and, and this can even be with, with someone you love. Like my dad is not physically here, but he is here and and everything that I do, you know? And one of the last things that, um, you know, I recently went home for Passover, which was the last time I ever saw my dad. Um, if you're listening, make time for people that you love. It does. When you look back at your life, you don't think about the schlep, how much the ticket costs. <laughs> you just remember, that's the last time I ever got to see my dad. So all of a sudden, all those other things don't matter. And um one of the things that my dad said to, you know, like one of my cousins, a good family friend of mine who I was just in her home for, you know, for Passover, she said that my dad said to her, he said, my reign of rose. I love the way she walks. I love the way she talks. Mm -hmm. I love the way she dresses. And it's just, Aww. 
<laughs> my whole life, my dad always just celebrated me for me. I've always gone to the beat of my own drum. And even though I may have been a little shit at times or some of my output choices were, I don't know, my dad, my dad always let me be that woman. When my mom went away with my brothers to soccer tournaments, that's when I pulled out the mini skirts, right? Because like there was no, there was no judgment, you yeah. know? So it's, you know, as I grow and as I create and become the CEO and I innovate, like my dad is with me every single step of the way, whether I have on awesome sneakers or not. That's just, that's just the facts of life. I love that oh, so much. It's beautiful. So much. Oh, what a great conversation. Um, I'm clearly very verklempt. Um. Just, just so you know, Raina, it's it's a rite of passage if you make Jamie cry during an episode. We say this every time, but like, if you can get Jamie in tears, then you know you've like, yeah, you've, you've made it. Well, out of I, I I do cry. I cry a lot. Yeah, um, but it's always good. It's it's yeah, a place. Sometimes, you know. sometimes our souls need watering. I'm all for crying. I'm yes. Pisces. I, I live in a bowl of tears. Let me tell yeah, you, it's half, beautiful. Half tears, but yeah. I love that and so that's, much. you know, that's even better. Um, so the way we end our episodes, we always ask our guests to complete this sentence and it, it, or this phrase, and it can be a word, it can be a full sentence, it can be a concept, whatever it comes out. Um, so we always say grief is, and then you complete the sentence. So grief is a journey where you don't have the GPS directions. <laughs> you got the address, but you didn't put it in the GPS. So what you think might just be like, I'm just going to walk diagonal to get there. You're going to lose a shoe. It's going to rain. <laughs> Some magical gnome is going to come out at one point and walk with you some of the way. Um, Grief is a journey without GPS. Yeah, that's like awesome. I like it. Have you guys got that one yet? No, no certainly not. <laughs> no, that that, awesome. that that is that is a unique answer, just as unique as yourself. So congratulations. Yes, yes, yeah. Thank you, thank you so much for for sharing everything with us. Um, I really do echo the sentiment that like your spirit is very special, um, and I'm you know excited that we know you now and everybody else will get to know you too so you you mentor you have this book we're gonna put the links for all this stuff uh in the in the episode description i'm waiting for my copy i saw it shipped today <laughs> anything else you want to want to plug what i'll say anything else anything else you want to plug put out there so oh my god Corey, you're freaking amazing um, so as you mentioned, I mentor, I mentor students. I focus predominantly on teenagers, middle school and high school. Um, I meet with them privately once a week. I'm kind of acting like that big, cool sister. Um, I help young people start podcasts, write books. I teach them how to network. Part of my philosophy is like, if you know what you want to study in college, or you think, you know, why don't we start building relationships with those people now? If mm -hmm. you want internships in college, build those relationships while you're in high school. I was never a straight A student. I never had a lot of boyfriends. I didn't really have a lot of confidence, but through embracing leadership and, and communication, um, all of a sudden that created all of these opportunities that 
really increased my confidence, but also gave me all of these experiences and advantages that not other people my age had. Um, Teen Tribe is a program that I started last year during COVID when all the camps were being canceled. All of this personal and professional development work that, um, that I've done alongside all of the leadership things I've learned through the years, I created the six week program for teens to meet every week for an hour and really share, you know, some of the challenges that they're facing and, and learn some of these important skills, um, professionally and personally. Um, I'm, I've now focused that when that program only on women, 11 to 18. Um, cause again, I find that when women um, are together, there's just this different dynamic of, of supporting each other and, and collaboration. And especially during COVID, um, for some of the teens, it can, be, it can be hard to make friends, especially for some of the teens who want to do things different than the other kids, mm-hmm. like have a podcast or sell art online. Sometimes their friends aren't like receptive or, mm. or positive, or they don't necessarily think that's so cool. So I think the most special thing about what I do is I'm, I'm able to connect young people together who are motivated. Um, and for me, anyone who knows me, if you know me, you get my entire network. So having the ability to, you know, introduce like important people I know or important people who are friends of people that I know to, to the kids. Um, I just, you know, today, for example, I just got confirmation that one of my mentees is going to have his first concert at Johnny Brown's in downtown Del Rey. No way! Just, yeah, when is it? I'll go. Um, I'll go. It's going to be April twentieth. We're raising money for the, you know, for the Alzheimer's Foundation. And you know, again, like I've spoken on many stages, but to give this young person, you know, as his like solo artist, like his first stage, um, Amazing. that's that's you know what fuels my fire. So it's cool that I'm able to make money off of something that fulfills me, but also truly is like me giving back. Um, And how you can keep up with me, I'm active on social media, uh, on all the accounts, The Rose Grows. If you wanna know more about my book, The Girl Who Said Hello to Everyone, um, you can Google that. Um, I launched a Kickstarter. So if anybody who's listening to the Emotional Duct Tape Show, you need help with a Kickstarter or you need advice in publishing your own book, please reach out. Uh, you need a contact. You need some inspiration. You need to laugh. I want to be that person because truthfully, when one grows, we all grow. And thank you so, so much. Gosh, you're the coolest. I'm just like, <laughs> thank you so much, everyone. Uh, thank you for tuning in to today's episode and we will talk to you later. Doodles. Thanks everybody.